Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. smart in your little blazer yes well we're coming up on you know that time of the season when the season is almost over and i'm getting you know melancholy so i'm dressing mm. up now oh i wasn't sure if it was the holidays or if it was just smart Aki, or this was a special episode perhaps it is a special episode as you and i both know a special mm. episode of what of set phasers a highly illogical star trek <laughs> podcast <laughs> Yes. Uh, it, today's star date, I'm not going to forget it this week. Today's star date is star date 31211.8. And we are discussing season three, episode nine of Star Trek Discovery, entitled Terra Firma, part one. Oh, yeah. And it's a doozy. It is a doozy. This is, you said this when we were um, preparing our episode notes. You're like, this is the, the episode we've been waiting for. Yeah. This is the, this is like, the fulcrum, the crucible, the whatchamacallit. I think you got it with crucible, to be honest. But This is Chekhov's gun. You know what I mean? Uh, do I know what I mean? Anyway, the point is, it's crazy. Things get crazy now. Mm, there's so much to run down. We should run it down because cause otherwise I'm just going to start getting into my thing. Yeah. It's time to run it down. Can you run it down for me? Okay, we're gonna get through this. It's a part one, so as we discussed last week, you just you're just gonna hold your breath for seven days. Too bad. If you want answers, you're not gonna get them. It's explicitly, I think we are told that we're not getting answers in this episode. Okay, so it begins with Hugh Colbert and everyone's favorite mysterious black clad bespectacled somebody whom I call Glasses, played by uh, David Cronenberg. And they're discussing Giorgio's condition. And apparently the reason Giorgio's been sick is because not only has her body moved forward in time, but also it has moved spatially from one galaxy to another. And thus, uh, her cells apparently like to be where they are. And so Glasses gives Culber a sort of rundown of the whole temporal wars business and how people were moving back and forth in time and yada, yada, yada. And that also the mirror universe is moving further from our universe. And so Giorgio's more and more out of place and out of sync and her body's tearing herself apart and there's nothing that can be done. Or is there? Because Discovery has a creepy computer that's alive. <laughs> so Culver's like, uh, hey, computer, is there? Is it true? The only thing we can do is sedate her and wait for her to die? And the computer's like, oh, no, you can send her to this place. And even Glasses is like, say what? Uh, meanwhile, Giorgio is in 
the mess hall and she's trying to lift up a glass of wine and her body is like out of phase with it or something and it's causing a whole issue and people are watching and Tilly tries to pull one of her Tilly things and like she's you know I kind of thought this was going to happen like Tilly's going to be like hey if you need help we can help you I'm Tilly I talk to Andorians I talk to the captain uh but Georgia just throws food in her <laughs> in her face essentially it's like a soup thing and it just yeah she everywhere. was like yeah my hands work fine and she like slapped the food into Tilly's onto Tilly's clothes Michael intercedes and is like, hey, uh, Culver wants to talk to you. We got to go. So what we find out is basically this. The computer, which has all that sphere data from before times and also has been updated with all the information from after Discovery jumped uh, in its retrofit, has been able to pinpoint a planet called Danis 5, uh, apparently the fifth planet in the Danis system, where... If they go with Giorgio, then maybe there's a place on the planet where she can get better. The chances of her getting better are 5%. That's basically 0% if they do nothing. So it's a very, very slim chance. So Michael, Saru, Culper, they go down to visit Vance, and they talk to him about it. Apparently the Emerald Chain, whom we met in the last episode. Emerald Chain. Excuse me, yes, the Emerald Chain. That we met in the last episode are doing some sort of military exercises. So the whole fleet is on yellow alert. But Vance for, uh, sort of sees that this is an important thing for Discovery to do for cohesion. So he agrees to the mission. He says, you guys jump out there and get back to me when you get back to me. And Saru actually is the one who, who seems to be the most reluctant to do it. And Vance has some words for him about how your crew will trust you more if you, if you take care of even one sick person on it. So it's not always the needs of the many and the needs of the few, which I think is kind of an interesting idea that they're doing a reversal of now but we can get into that later so meanwhile uh there let's see so michael has to go and convince Giorgio to do this so everyone else is pulling for Giorgio to heal Giorgio basically because she's terran wants to die in battle gloriously so she michael goes to a gym to talk to Giorgio, and Giorgio's like Oh, no, I'm not going down to the planet. I want to kill you. And then, like, they have, like, an actual fight in the gym. But Michael refuses to fight her. And Giorgio's like, you're going to kill me or I'm going to kill you. And Michael says no. And then Giorgio's like, oh, yeah, well, then you're going to die. And then she swings her sword around. But Michael doesn't move. And Giorgio stops the blade just short of her neck. And she basically is like, you're so stubborn, but fine, I'll go. And then we have the credits. Okay? So mm -hmm. they jump to Dan is five. Uh, there are some... There's some interesting goodbyes with Saru and Tilly where Saru's like, well, I guess I learned as much from you as I did from the other Giorgio. And Tilly's like, you've been good for me, I guess, in a weird way. And they shake, well, Saru shakes Giorgio's hand. Pointedly, Tilly gives her a big Tilly hug. Tilly, Tilly time. Uh, and they go down to the planet, Giorgio and Michael. It's a snowy, barren wasteland. And they walk there, start to walk to the coordinates they need to head to. In the meantime, the only other, there's like a B plot in this episode. It's scant. Is that Adira and Stamets are working still on the encryption, on the algorithm, trying to encrypt that weird signal that's coming out of that uh, nebula that is that was music that turned into a distress call. That means that it has an embedded encrypted message in it and they have to work on the algorithm for it. And so they're trying to work on that. And uh stamets helps adira like adira has been working on it all night and so they like are all screwed up <clears throat> and they can't i think they forgot to do i forget what it was like reset a buffer before putting it through the dingle dangle and so stamps is like hey, we gotta just gotta do that and adira tall is still upset about 
Gray, I guess it's been a few weeks that Gray has disappeared, and it's we don't know why that has happened. And while they are discussing that, information comes through. It's been solved. It's a video message. Say what? And what? then they both look at it and go, what? And Sam says, you better go get Saru. Saru, at that moment, is in the corridor with the one and only love of everyone's life, Book. And, uh... Do you want to take a minute? I mean, why not? Hi, I'm Book. And I'd like to be important to Discovery's crew. I just want to hang out and help you, man. I know a lot of information from other couriers. If you compare it to the information you have from Starfleet, you'll find out it supports your intel. So what can I do? Oh, yeah. Okay, we don't have to, we can, we can cut it there. That's where I got uh, Yeah, it that's good. General. I was going to say, we don't need to. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so Book is, uh, yeah, Book is, is talking to Saru and he wants to sort of be involved. And um, unfortunately, they like, Saru's like, you had to sort of wait your turn. We, we need you to, you'll have a moment to prove yourself. We had the same thing when we arrived here, and I'm sure that you will. But thank you for the information. And so that's, I guess that's the C plot line. And that is the only moment of it is that book is trying to integrate with the Federation. Mm. Meanwhile, down on the planet, Giorgio and Michael are talking. And Giorgio basically and Michael kind of hash it out about their relationship because they're both there because of a love for someone who is not actually alive. Like Giorgio had to kill Michael or Michael was killed in the mirror universe. And Michael is responsible for her Giorgio in the prime universe dying because of she started the Klingon war, but they still feel the same feelings for these. Anyway, it's complicated and weird. And Giorgio basically says, I found you in my universe on top of a trash heap. And I and I picked you. And Michael's like, why did you pick me? And she goes, well, because everyone, when I showed up, all the urchins came with their hands out pleading for salvation. And there was Michael on top of the trash heap. She didn't move. She was, quote, prepared to be her own salvation. Dun, 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 dun. Do you want one? No, I, we don't have to. So uh, they get to the coordinates that they've been told to go to by the Sphere Disco AI computer machine person. And... A very strange thing happens. There's a man there sitting in an armchair next to a door that leads to nowhere, smoking a cigar and reading the newspaper. When they ask him what his name is, he says, my name is uh, Carl. (laughs) And uh, he basically has a newspaper and the newspaper says that Giorgio, the emperor, the Terran emperor dies a painful and awful death. And uh, whenever they try to ask him questions about the door or how he got there or who he is or what's going on here, he answers in weird puns or riddles or vague language. It's very strange and weird. He has some good jokes. You liked the jokes? Because I, I felt like I was super into them, but I was like, this is the kind of jokes that like get me kicked out of parties. Well, yeah, but that's why you and I get kicked out of parties. That's right. That's right. That's why we've created our, our own, own party. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> well, he has some great jokes. It's worth watching just for the, the slapstick there. Carl, mm. yes, indeed. Carl. Carl. I love that. My name's uh, uh, Carl. Carl. Uh, but basically, he says that, like, the answer to Giorgio's ills could be through that door. Uh, and But the answer follows the question. A lot of weird sort of cryptic information. <clears throat> 
But he says this, the answers are on this newspaper here in black and white. And it says that Jojo is dead. And Jojo says, well, if it has the answers. I'm still alive. So how correct could that be? And then he looks at his, his little pocket watch and he goes, well, this is tomorrow's paper. <laughs> Meanwhile, on Disco, the, the distress call video that they found is from a Kelpian by the name of Dr. Issa on the KSF Kiev. And basically they were on a mission, I guess, for the Federation to uh, explore this dilithium nursery that was inside the nebula, but they got stranded or something like that. And they had called for help and help was supposed to come in two days and it hasn't shown up in six weeks. And that's when they start the distress signal. And I guess they've been there since the burn, which means they've been there for about a hundred years. But if they're getting the stress signals for reasons, then the ship must still be intact. And Stamets says they have the codes to be able to see what's going on inside the ship. So they'll go off to do that. And Saru says they'll hold off on notifying Vance because everyone's dealing with the Emerald Chain until they have more information. And that, my friends, is the end of the B plot line. <laughs> because back down on Danis, five, Giorgio screws her courage to the sticking place and she steps through the door and her hair changes and her clothing changes and she becomes the Terran Emperor once again. Miraki shall shall rear his ugly head once more. No bow tie. If you are listening from home and you are listening to this as a podcast, Aki likes to switch his selves, if you like, from when he goes to from from prime universe to to mirror universe. And he switches from his bow tie to a A t-shirt. I'm casual, man. I'm casual because I'm a Terran. What's up? Yeah, this is what podcasts are like in the Terran universe. Nerds are cool, evil, cool, wearing t-shirts. Okay, we don't need to. That's the, that's the concept. So now I'm in a t-shirt and I feel weirdly cold. So the emperor shows up. She is greeted by Tilly and her honor guard. And they do the super fascist salute and they, they shout, Terra firma, terra firma. Which, of course, we all know is the Latin for solid earth, solid ground. Of course, we all knew that. <laughs> I took Latin. Uh, I'm only wearing a T-shirt, so everyone knows that. I'm just a regular average yeah. Joe. I don't Google these kinds regular of things. Regular average T-shirt wearing Joe who speaks Latin. I'm a T-shirt wearing Joe who knows a common phrase that people use every day. Fair. It's from Latin. Okay, so... Giorgio is wearing a like medical bracelet that she got from Dr. Culver. So she has to hide that first and foremost. But then she basically is like trying to get up to speed as to what is happening. But Tilly is, has invited her because Tilly, Tilly, as you may recall, Captain Killy in the Terran universe. And now we're dealing all in evil mirror universe people uh, is the captain of the discovery. And they picked up the emperor from earth because that is the day that they christened the new uh, Imperial flagship, the pronunciation of which Steph and I have never agreed upon. Do you have something to say? Well, I feel like this time they said it decisively. <laughs> and I disagreed with it. <laughs> I know, it's fine. So they called it Karen. They called it the Karen. So C H A R O N, Karen. Karen. As in the Greek demigod who boats you across the river Styx into the lands of death. Or, because we all know that also. Because yeah, because we, we're we, all we all wear t-shirts. I play sports ball. And yes, we all do stuff. Sports ball. Yeah, all the time. I get lots of points. I get all the goals. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Because you play all of the balls with sports. Mm-hmm. The sports with balls. I'm a regular sportsman. Mm. I'm a regular, I'm just a wild. A ball, you're a regular baller. I'm a, yeah, baller. That's me. Hashtag baller. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Karen, the Greek demigod who boats you across the river, sticks to the land. That's, the irony, it's Karen, as in, you know, like Karen. Karen, as it's become. Which we now know yes. in a, our urban dialect. Mm-hmm to be not a good thing true karen is also the name for pluto's only moon uh <clears throat> where was i i was bawling that's right anyway <laughs> that's the day that they christened the karen and so it is also the day that apparently Lorca and michael staged their coup against giorgio in the mirror universe so giorgio gets up to speed on that she is being welcomed by evil tilly whom captain who we'll call killy and she's basically like, I know that there's a plot. And Tilly says, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's, oh, I know. And then Tilly's like, oh, I was going to tell you when we got to someplace more quiet. But yeah, Lorca's definitely plotting against you. And Giorgio is now thinking she can maybe rewrite history. Because last time she lost Michael. So she, she tells Tilly, in fact, that her plan is to kill Lorca and then bring Michael back into the fold. And Tilly does say... This is high treason we're talking about. And the penalty for high treason is pretty explicit. It's death. And Giorgio's like, uh, it's going to be this way because I'm going to change what happens. So she is escorted to a wild party in the like rec room of the discovery in which we see. Just doing shots. Yeah, they're doing shots, throwing knives at each other. Mm. Uh, the Kelpians are slaves again. It's a real uh, stark. You know what I did like? And I know we're we're trying to get through the rundown fast, but. Very smart suit for the doctor. The red with the like, did you notice that? I didn't. Culver. Yeah. Everyone has like the same black sort of thing, but Culver, the red, Mm. it's very snappy. Anyway. I mean, it makes sense if you're a doctor and you're wearing a red suit. Yeah, so you can't see the blood. in TNG, I remember their surgeons wore red. Mm -hmm. Wait, so you can't see the blood? You'd think you'd want to be able to see the blood. Mm, I mean, for washing purposes, doing your own laundry. (laughs) That way you're like... Uh, is this clean? I don't know. I don't see any blood on it. This will do. Cool. Uh, <laughs> cool. It smells clean. Um, so they go to this party and everyone salutes Giorgio. And then out comes Michael, evil Mirror Michael, whom we've never met. We've never met Mirror Michael. And Mirror Michael swaggers into the room and is like, oh, hello, mother. Uh, and that was great. And so much tude. So much tude. She's serving so much. I'm getting attitude from Mira Michael. So they sit down, they're drinking, the party resumes. And it's been six months, apparently, since Michael and Giorgio last saw each other. And Michael went to a planet that Giorgio had mentioned to her has this wonderful family of artists. It was a weird moment because the emperor's like, oh, there's a wonderful planet. There's some great art there. This family of artists, they make indescribable art. Michael says, oh, yes, it was lovely. And it's it's going to become even more valuable now that I've blinded and removed the hands of the family. And Giorgio's like, oh, I forgot how thorough you are. And Michael says, I'm happy when you're happy. <laughs> At that moment, a Kelpian... Uh, spills some sauce on, hey, Landry's back for a moment. Evil Landry, anyway. And Landry's like, I'm going to turn you into soup, you stupid Kelpian. And then orders the Kelpian to go get butchered. And <clears throat> the Kelpian that helps the other one off the floor is Mirror Saru. 
And that Kelpian looks like it's going through the Vaharai, which is why it's kind of like off its axis. And then Saru comes over to Michael and Giorgio and tries to offer some wine. And Michael flips out. She says all Kelpians should be killed, smacks the wine out of his hand, and says she's going to have him killed and have his ganglia sweetened for dessert. It must be really fun to write the mirror episode dialogue for this show. <laughs> oh, boy. I just love the, the little touches they've made with the ship. When you went yes. into the galley, I guess, the curtains that they had, everything just, it really added to it. It added to the sense of of tyranny, of, of, of mm. uh, fascism. Yeah, it was great. Thrones everywhere, big chairs and lo- big lounge chairs and everything. Yep. Anyway, Giorgio intervenes because she recognizes Saru and she takes Saru as her own servant. And then she, when they're behind closed doors, she gets, she... She realizes, you know, Saru, you're a servant. You probably know why Michael is trying to betray me. Because I guess we find out that Giorgio never really understood why her Michael betrayed her with Lorca. And uh, that Saru basically says, well, that Michael uh, and Lorca think that something has changed in the Emperor. And that she has become weak. And Michael cannot love a weak person. Because you can't love weakness in the Terran Empire. Done, done. Um. <laughs> Cindy just commented, I never notice clothes, only that people aren't naked. That is brilliant. That is at the very least. Hmm. But, so, you know, I think of it as noticing how people aren't naked. That's, I take I it just one step further. Also, I don't know that I have fashion sense at all. I just thought it was, uh, it was stood out. A very smart red suit with the gold plated imperial armor. Uh, I don't know. Is that just me? Could be. Probably. Well, we don't have to get into this. It's a very grayscale and glittery, like gold and black and gray scape in the Terran universe. And then there's this red, this pop of red. Anyway, um, so they are going now to, I guess the ship is traveling to the shipyards to get the Karen. And as Giorgio is leaving and heading out to the loading bay, she runs across Michael and they're watching a big fight happening between Reese and Oweshikun, and uh, Reese is fighting Owo in order to become the new head of security on the Karen, because that's how things happen in the Terran universe, I guess. You just fight to the death. And uh, Michael and Giorgio take a wager, and Giorgio bets on Owo because she says Reese just wants it for the, like, for the prestige, and Owo fights because of loyalty and service to the throne. And Owo does turn the tables, but then the fight slash murder is interrupted. <laughs> Saved by the bell. Whoo. Because she was about to punch his face in. A lot of blood. By them arriving. at the, Yeah, it was blood. It was a bloody hate. Terran universe. We're going to say knives all over the place. Red suits would have been good for them. Maybe that's why he's wearing the red suits, because there's so much blood. <laughs> that makes sense. You're right. Just everywhere. Not only in sickbay. So they go, there's a very strange, surreal, almost musical sequence in which Stamets gives us, evil Stamets recites a poem about uh, the history of the empire and the emperor. And there's a dancer playing her and dance killing Klingons and stuff. And and then they reveal through the viewports, the Karen, which as we remember is is run by a mycelial reactor, a big red bulbous sun on top of which sits a floating spaceship castle. 
it's an absurd ship that I would definitely live in. Uh, and then Georgia gets up to address the crowd. And while she's talking, Stamets, who's making eye contact with Michael, these are all evil. I'm I'm just dropping the evils here. <laughs> evil Stamets. Mirror. Evil Michael. Mirror. 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 Excuse me. You're right. It's subjective uh, morals. Mirror Stamets looks, I hate saying mirror. That's why. <laughs> mirror Stamets <laughs> looks at Mirror Michael. And he sneaks over <laughs> to behind Giorgio and, and he has a concealed dagger like Macbeth. The concealed to the, weapon. To the sticking place, yes. Is this a knife I see before me? Um, like all cool sports ball people, quote, whenever they see a dagger. And he tries to stab Giorgio. Uh, but she sees it coming because she's been here before. Spoiler alert. And so she stabs Stamets to death immediately. Oh. And he just falls to the ground. Right, bleeding right out. Yeah, right in the necky. Jugular? Probably down. The, it looked like a long dagger. I would guess it went straight through the meat down into the pierce the heart, probably. Sure. There's a big, there's an aerial shot of him later with just like a huge pool of blood coming out. Of him. Mm. So some sort of arterial why are we talking about this? So I don't know. I think I think we we started down the whole evil mirror route and we mirror. 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 We started down the mirror route. I don't know how I'm going to do a sound effect for that. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Mirror. 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 Oh, okay. Like cool. All right. Cool. I'll give you a This is why okay. everyone needs to listen to the podcast. Here we, go. we do yes, fun right. things in post production. Yeah, that's right. I'll give you one. Here's a pickup for mirror. <clears throat> mirror. mirror. And you can just use that wherever Thank you want. You. Just fly Thank that you. wherever you need. Yeah. Okay. That's how the sausage is made. The <laughs> So Georgia resumes her throne. They start the chant once again of terra firma. Michael slips away. I think probably to get away because their assassination attempt failed. But she is stopped by none other than Mirror Tilly. And who holds a gun on her. And then Georgia shows up with Owo and the whole Royal Guard. And they're like, oh, you tried to get away. We know you're behind the whole thing. And Michael's like, whatever, you're weak and you can't control things. And Georgia's like, oh, I should kill you, but I'll spare your life if you confess and tell me why you did it. And Michael goes, confess you. You're so weak. I'll tell you why I did it. The, The reason that I like Lorca, because... You say you took me out of a trash heap, but I was the king or the, I was the emperor. I was in control. I was I was the arbiter of that trash heap. And now I'm just a, I think she literally describes herself as a reflection. She's nothing. She's nothing but a reflection of Giorgio that can't stand on her own. And that Lorca loves her and honors her for her own self, for her own power. And that is why they have decided to betray Emperor Giorgio. And then she gets down on her knees and says, so go ahead and kill me because I'd rather die. And Giorgio takes out her blade once again, mirroring her actions that happened right before the credits, the credits sequence. And she, the, the, the credits, credits that's right. I said it right before the credit. You guys know there's a Quidditch <laughs> sequence earlier on. In this? <laughs> right before the credits sequence, she removes the sword ceremonially. She, she takes the side stance. She swings it back to remove Michael's head. But this time again, stopping just short of killing, but this time cutting. There's a little bit of blood. She just nicks the skin. But she says, I know how this ends if I kill you. Either you die or I die. But now we're finally at a place where we don't know what the outcome is. So I will let you live. And and together we can, some kind of weird maniacal thing she says, together we will see what happens. It was um, so curious because I kind of thought she's in, there's a rock in a hard place. She kills yeah. her and she maintains the the respect that her crew has for her. 
Yeah. Well, she doesn't kill her. And then she's seen as weak. And then there will be another plot against her. Right. But I think she knows that if she tries to kill her <clears throat> and does, then what happened before will happen again. Now she's trying to write some new history there. She thinks that we don't really know. I should get to the end before we get into all this craziness. <laughs> anyway, she's like, take her to the agonizers and to be continued. That's all we get. So that's the show. So yes, I think Giorgio, I mean, we don't know, but we think Giorgio thinks she's actually back in time. Like she's re she's getting a redo, but we have no idea where that door was. Did she really go back in time? She's like, what's happening? Don't know. Yeah. Well, well, we'll save that to tinfoil time. All right. Time to get into some weird theories. Woo! I forgot to send you this, so I'm going to play it again. You did not give me tinfoil time. Here we go. Killing me. This is tinfoil time. Okay. So, we said we would discuss theories. <laughs> I have to, of course, put my major theory first because it deserves to be shot down. But it's the one I love. And that is that Lorca is responsible for everything. <laughs> That's my theory. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because we were talking about this last week and I was like, oh, stop. That's so far-fetched. Don't be so ridiculous. And now it's like, oh, we're we're now talking it's, about Lorca again. It's feasible. It's possible also that Isaacs is not coming back and there'll be no, no, no Lorca angle here. It's difficult because I'm kind of looking at it from two angles going, mm, is Jason Isaacs coming back versus... Could Lorca have done it without Jason Isaacs coming back? True. The thing is that, as I've discussed many times on this program, and I and I stand by this, <clears throat> he fell into the mycelial reactor, which we think means he died. But you could fall into that and end up in any place in any time. You can you can evade death, as Doctor Colbert did, and that last fortune cookie that they find at the beginning of season two when Pike is in the ready room for the first time before he changes it, is that fortune cookie that says something like, death is not the end and I will be back, basically, mm. is what that fortune cookie says. And now here we are, the day of the betrayal. We've seen Mirror Michael. Giorgio has decided to keep her alive. The assassination, the the assassination attempt has failed. You were going to do James Mason, weren't you? Yeah, accidentally. It just came out like that. I wasn't trying to, but it's like a James Mason. Yeah. The assassination attempt failed. And so maybe Lorca is going to dun 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 Lorca, you know? And he'll be like, yeah. Ooh. Ooh I like this guy. Spin off. <laughs> Spin off. Michael and Lorca, one night stand made for a TV rom com. I don't know if it's made for a TV rom com. I feel like it would be R rated. At least TVMA. I mean, if we want. If we really want to do this. And Cindy, haven't we had enough of Lorca? Amen. We had a whole well, season of him. Yes, Lorca is terrible, but I mean, we all love Isaacs, right? Is no one's no one's going to be mad about seeing <laughs> old Malfoy up there with his dark hair and his brooding eyes and his his rustic Texan yeehaw. I mean, it right? made things interesting. I will say that for a, for an episode or two here, well, mm. maybe just for the end of this episode, he shows up. And he has to be killed again or something. Not that he's, well, I guess in my tinfoil time thing, he's like, ha, 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 I created the burn, which we don't necessarily need to have happen. Do you have any crazy theories? None so crazy as yours, my friend. 
Okay, Which well, I feel is regular for tin, tinfoil time. That's probably true. That's what I do all week. I just speculate until the next episode. I do think I'm curious to know. I know that this is not part of the main thing, but in our B plot line, there's something strange going on with Saru, right? He like as soon as they leave the office, he replays that video by Doctor Isa. Um, that is like the Kelpian that he's seen. I'm, I'm curious. And, and it was curious for him not to want to update Vance. Mm. So I just don't know what's going on there. Do you think there was some sort of secret message or something that he saw? I don't know if it was a secret message or something that he saw, or if it's just, it's hitting close to home for him mm. because he thought he had left all these Kelpians behind. And this is the first Kelpian he's seeing, you know, but we'll see, I guess. The next, I'm assuming the next, well, we don't know. The next time we go back to that plot line, because I assume next episode we'll be wrapping up this terra firma business, uh, we'll get to see, like, what happens uh, with Saru and whether or not anyone survived that crash. Uh, what is Guy asking? Sky's asking, what about that backward time travel theory you discussed? That's a weird one. Yeah, well, <clears throat> unfortunately, I discussed time travel theory with with multiple parties on a regular basis. I'm trying to remember the one I had specifically with Sky. So like multiple universe discussions. Yeah, well, it is a question of, and, you know, I, I know I'm not wearing a bow tie, so I'll say this with my my muscular, hunky gravitas. It is a question of, like, you know, are we talking about multiverse theory here or is, you know, time something that can be shifted and changed? If there's a temporal war then I would argue it's not a question of multiverses and infinite possibilities and therefore going back starts a new branch of a certain timeline, but rather that timelines can be preserved and shifted and altered and repaired and so on and so forth. So it's only going to get weirder and stranger and a lot of butterfly effects and weird things like that I think are going to happen. Plus with this mycelial network business, people coming back from the dead, we don't know what's going on with Gray, Gray Tall and Adira and, uh, you know, all I can say is Lorca. That's all I can say. That's all you got. It's just what you underlined on your notes tonight. Twice. Lorca. Lorca. I did also make the other note that I wrote down that I thought was important is that I love that the name of this episode is Terra Firma, part one. Mm -hmm. And they chant Terra Firma, which is a great thing for like fascist earth people to do. Terra Firma, like strong earth, right? But also this entire episode is about the lack of Terra Firma. It's about being cast adrift Without direction, everyone is directionless. These discoveries lead people into a place of the unknown without sure footing. So once again, the namers of these episodes have done it. Those clever so-and-sos to make us think about why they called it what they called it. All of these part ones and part threes and... Well, this one, yeah. The part three, yeah, you're right. There have been a lot of, like, throwbacks. First of all, the that hope is you part one. Still, I wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat trying to figure out what's going on there. And unification part three is, like, only if you know about unification parts one and two. And which we is, do. Which we do because uh, Newsflash. Netflix watch party last yeah, week. We, last we week, watched them all together. I forgot how much was involved there in the whole. I mean, I remember Spock being involved, but I forgot that it was two episodes and that there was this whole uh, Tasha Yar uh, oh, Romulan mirror, almost mirror version of Tasha Yar, because that Romulan Yar is also created because of a time rift deal thing. 
as I recall. That's why she's fully grown. I don't recall that in the end. I believe she is the, to use the D&D term, the big bad of the end of season five or four. And then a season four of Star Trek, The Next Generation. Which one was the locutus season? Oh, These are important things to discuss. That... <laughs> was that three or four? This feels like a sort of Star Trek trivial pursuit. I feel like that was later on. I want to say five. Maybe Locutus six. was five? No, 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 no. Kind of been that early. I don't think it could have been that. I don't think it could have been that late. I don't think it could have been six. So Should we? Anyway. Do, you, do you know what? Let's do it, shall you we? You can Google it. You can Google that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So while you Google that, I'll just say. Yep, I had a new sound effect. That's great. <laughs> series three, episode 26. You are correct, my friend. The end of season three. Okay, mm. so the end of season four, I believe, is the the Tasha return. And that it's an interesting, like, meta overlay that they referenced unification. And the unification thing did center around Tasha's involvement in the Romulans trying to thwart unification because the Romulan Tasha is created because Tasha Yar goes back in time in an alternate timeline and therefore has a child that is half Romulan that looks exactly like her. I'm pretty sure that's how the Romulan Tasha is created. It's a stretch because I think they just wanted to bring her back to the show after pretty she much, yeah. season one. So they're like, eh, how about weird, we make you a big bad? <laughs> there's some weird rising going in there. There might've been, it might've been the mirror universe. I should Google it, but you know, I don't like to, I don't like too much information when I'm, when I'm doing my tinfoil thing. I like to just guess. Oh yeah. I like to make it up. I like to make it up. I like to make it up. <laughs> okay. We can move on for this. Let's I, do that. <laughs> Uh, oh, quotable dear. moments, shall we? Yes, let's do some quotable moments. Quotable moments. Have you got uh, any? I have one that I loved in particular. That's a particular quote. I didn't find too many in this. There was it wasn't anything that really stood out to me. So why don't you go? Well, there were a few. Uh, just as runners up, there were just some nice things like uh, uh, Georgia saying, "God, Michael, you have to know when to shut up." And uh, various other one-liners like "Will turn your gangula, make your ganglia sweet for dessert, sweetened for dessert." Other terrible things that Terrence say that are just fun one-liners. But I really liked what Vance says to Saru in that first meeting when Saru is sort of like, "I don't know if we should do this whole thing to rescue Giorgio when we have the Emerald Chain to worry about." And he sees says, uh, <clears throat> "I never listened to advice when I was green." but take it from an old salt who's made a lot of bad calls in his day. A crew member is drowning. If we let her, then your crew will never look at you or the Federation the same way again, and you will never look at yourself the same way either. Now that, those, then there's captain lessons. Because we, it's always like the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, or the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. But in this case, in this instance... Saving Giorgio is not just about saving Giorgio. It's about the morale and the respect and the loyalty and the, the like the family of the crew, even though everyone, as we saw when they say goodbye, hates, I mean, Giorgio's antagonistic to nearly everyone to basically everyone, even Michael, uh, to whom she is the nicest. She tried to kill in this episode. <laughs> so it's, it's, there's still a sense of family there. And so that's why I thought it was an interesting thing for a captain to have to think about is that like, for this one person, I need to move heaven and earth because otherwise the crew couldn't trust me. Good lines from Vance. I couldn't agree more, Cindy. And that's my that's my quotable moment. 
I didn't have a quotable moment, but there was a mo- like when Tilly was saying goodbye, or uh, Prime Tilly was saying goodbye to Mirror Giorgio. Yes, there was a hug that mm-hmm. I just I I was really into because it was like Giorgio. You could kind of tell she was like, "What are you doing?" And then, oh, yeah. all right, I might well, like this in, a little bit. Yeah, in the next time <clears throat> on. Uh, like the you know the throw forward to the next episode, we hear Giorgio in a voiceover talking to we think Mirror Michael, and saying like I've seen what you can be, I've seen how the the universe can be, and it is quote luminous. I didn't even write that down. I just remembered it because it sounded so good. So it sounds like she's taken something of this this timeline and is bringing it back to the Terran timeline. I don't know. I don't want to go crazy. Er than I am. Indeed, my friend. Indeed. Indeed. All right, let's wrap this thing up because I'm a maniac. Oh, yeah. All right. Next time on Set Phasers. Yes, well, next time on Set Phasers, we will be covering the continuation of this TBC to be continued episode. We will be covering Terra Firma Part 2. I have that confirmed. They will give us a Part 2. It's not going to be one of those weird things where they move on without us. Huzzah! So, huzzah! We shall get answers, maybe? Find out who Carl is? What's his deal? Uh, okay, so thank you very much for joining us. If you enjoy the program, you can catch us every Friday, like it is today, at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Facebook Live, or as a podcast every Monday, wherever you get podcasts from. Thank you so much for joining us live. It's so fun to see your comments come in and we can respond to them and and have fun with you guys chatting Trek as we do. Um, We are on Facebook and Instagram, of course, at Set Phasers Podcast. So feel free to follow along and join in the conversation of all things Trek with us. And if you want to support our continuing mission to discover whatever discovery has in store for us, and we don't know what it's going to be, we would be delighted. You can patronize us. We can take it by going to patreon.com slash setphasers. Well, until next time, I'm Steph Manns. And I'm Aki Burmese. And this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical mirror Star Trek podcast. (laughs) Computer. Oops. Computer. And program. Mm-hmm.